Welcome to episode 171 of the first 40 miles. If you're new to backpacking or if you're hopelessly in love with someone who wants you to love backpacking, then this podcast is for you. We'll talk about the essentials, how to lighten your load, and how to make the most of your time on the trail. I'm your host, Heather Legler. And I'm Josh Legler. And this is The First 40 Miles. Today on The First 40 Miles, we're most of the way through winter. And we've survived. Yay. (laughs) And for today's top five list, we'll share some survival essentials known to the bushwhackers as the five C's. Then we'll share one of the best subscription boxes we've found that will help you hone your survival skills into a craft. Next, a backpack hack that'll prepare you for surviving laundry day. All this and that's about it. Today on the first 40 miles. So I feel like this winter hasn't really been about survival like last winter was. Last winter was a lot of ice, a lot of snow, and a lot of sub-freezing days, which is not typical for the Northwest. And it started in October and lasted all the way through May. Yeah, but this winter has been so generous, so mild, so kind. While the rest of North America has been plunged into horrible freezing temperatures and storms. I I mean, even Atlanta, you know, down in the teens. And here we are with highs in the mid-50s. Yeah, it's just been a very different experience depending where you live this winter. I guess for skiers and snowboarders, they're like, bring it on. Yeah, it, it depends a lot on your perspective and... I I saw someone say, hey, when it gets cold outside in the winter, you can either complain about it or you can accept it and just go out anyway. And when we posted pictures from our winter backpacking trip a few weeks ago, all of our Canadian listeners were like, <laughs> you call that winter? To them, that's not winter. And they're used to it. And they posted their pictures of these trips that they're taking in the wintertime where they all have, <laughs> you know, those icicles hanging off of their eyebrows oh, yeah. and, and out of their nose, <laughs> out of their nostrils. And, you know, that's, that's what winter really is. Well, we have had some great adventures this winter. And I'm really happy that we, we got out, even though it wasn't as hard as a Canadian winter. We got out, we did some fun things, and I think we made the most of this winter. Our trip to the Ape Caves by Mount St. Helens, that was a great day trip that we did during Christmas break. Headed out in the morning, drove, I think it was about two and a half hours from our house, and got to spend the day up there and then another couple hours to drive back home. It was all doable within a day. And you know what was really cool about visiting the Ape Caves in the wintertime? It was the solitude. We could tell from the parking lot that this place gets packed in the summer. But when we showed up, there's pretty much nobody there. We hike up this forest service road that is closed down at the bottom of the road and eventually get to the parking lot, the one that's full in the summer. Actually, the two parking lots, the extra lot for all the buses, plus the lot for all the cars, the little visitor center that's completely closed up for the winter. And it's like... I don't know. There's a certain feeling. I don't know how you describe that. When you're in one of those places where you can tell that it's built for busy and it's just like stone silent. And when we went in the cave, same thing. We saw 
a handful of other people during the whole time that we were in the cave just felt like we had the place to ourselves. It was just so quiet and just that, I don't know, that off-season feel. Right. It's really cool. Like going into a 7-Eleven on Christmas Day, you're like, whoa, yeah. nobody's here. That was about the worst analogy ever. <laughs> I'm cutting that. <laughs> that was not the feel I wanted. <laughs> and the trip to Ape Caves was something that the kids picked. We had them vote between five different trip ideas. They picked the Ape Caves. And then we added another challenge onto that trip. We wanted to include someone else. And so we decided to invite, how do I say this? My, my brother's wife's brother? <laughs> Yeah, he's not our brother-in-law, but he's our sister-in-law's brother. So we invited Robert, and it was great. He is studying law, so his head has been in the books for months now, and so it was just fun to get out to the ape caves and, uh, and go adventuring with him. And then last week, we talked about our backpacking trip that we took. It was 24 hours, but it was perfect, and it was just what we needed. A little winter overnight backpacking trip. And we talked all about that trip in last week's episode, uh, number 170. And then one of the big outdoor highlights for this winter was harvesting our Christmas tree from public lands. Yeah, I, I knew that uh, you could go onto public lands, the federal public lands like uh, Forest Service or BLM lands, and you could get a permit for $5 and go up and find a Christmas tree to harvest. But I didn't know what you discovered. Yes, we have a fourth grader. And part of the deal with every kid in a park is that all fourth graders can harvest their own Christmas tree from Forest Service or BLM land. So we got a Christmas tree courtesy of our fourth graders, every kid in a park perk. Park perk? Perk. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Yeah, and it was the cutest Christmas tree ever. It wasn't all bushy and manicured like the ones on the lots, but it was open. It was lacy and delicate and fresh. One of the things that I loved about it was that it was so soft. Like the trees that you buy from the stand, they're so prickly and the the uh, the trunk is so thick. You know, it's it's been manicured and everything for years and years. The one that we picked was maybe, I don't know, eight or 10 years old, but it had never been trimmed. And so it just kind of, it was just so graceful. So nice to have this beautiful tree that wasn't trimmed to a perfect triangle sitting in our front room. I guess it just fit our style. Yeah. It was great. So today is February 20th. I think Officially, we are a month away from spring, which means we've survived winter. I mean, if we've made it this far, then we're doing pretty good. Uh, so today we wanted to talk about survival essentials. And these are known in the bushwhacking community as the five C's. These are the basics. And you know it's true because when you run out of any of these things at home, Modern life just shuts down and we just can't. So imagine how much more essential these five items are on the trail. Wait, toilet paper doesn't start with a C. Charmin does. Ah. Uh. <laughs> well, number one survival essential is cover. 
This is more than just a tent or a tarp. Cover includes having the proper clothing. And I think cover also includes first aid essentials. So anything that protects you from the elements. So this could even include insect repellent and some kind of SPF. The number two survival essential is cut. That's referring to your knife. Uh, something to cut wood, to cut cords. A knife just serves as a, a first aid tool, a meal prep tool, just a problem-solving tool, a fix-it tool, even a self-defense tool if it needs to be. And I think cut is where a lot of backpackers maybe skimp. They carry a tiny little knife. I know Josh and I both carry something rather small, but maybe take a look at your knife and see if it's adequate for what you actually need on the trail. See if you need to make it bigger or smaller. Like Josh said, your knife is a tool. It can be used for so many things. And number one, it is a problem-solving tool. So think of your knife more as a tool and maybe use it for more than just cutting open your freeze-dried meals. The number three survival essential is cup. And it can be more than just your water bottle. You can bring along a Sierra cup for boiling water, which is a secondary form of water purification. Um, you can also use your dry bag as a form of a cup, um, which can serve double duty as a way to haul large amounts of water. The number four survival essential is cordage. In my 10 essentials kit, I have maybe about 20 feet of paracord. And it's amazing the different things that I can pull that out and use it for. Sometimes I've used it to hang up a bear bag, or even if we're not in bear country, just to hang my food up away from the, the rodents. It's also, of course, useful for hanging your tarp. And by the way, on our last winter backpacking trip, we brought along the Perea Sanctuary Siltarp with us because we knew there was a chance of rain. We ended up not needing to use it, and only today, when we were about to record this podcast episode, did we discover that the cords for that silt harp were sitting right here in our closet where we record. Yeah, and it's hard to kind of makeshift cord out in the wilderness. Yeah, unless you live in a jungle with those nice uh, vines. <laughs> it's just really tough to make that stuff up. Yeah, so cordage is definitely a survival essential. The number five survival essential is combustion. And combustion is just another word for power. So maybe you don't want to have a fire on your backpacking trip. So you're wondering, do I still need a method of combustion? Well, the answer is yes. You still need a way to start a fire. You just bring a little bic or a book of matches or something. And you still need light. And then along with fire and light, if you want to bump it up another notch, you can bring a solar panel so that when your phone drops to 6%, things won't get ugly. So I think when we think of combustion, another C word that we can think of is current. You know, it, it's good to have something to start a fire that's going to keep you warm, may help you to cook food. Uh, it's also good to have power the, the non-combustive type of power that keeps your cell phone and your flashlight and all that stuff going. Have you seen those new lighters that are, um, I think it's called plasma, plasma lighters? Yeah, they probably work kind of like our son's Tesla coil. Yeah. Which has been a little bit dangerous in the house. Yeah, he melted my lip balm. <laughs> but yeah, they have lighters now that have a little plasma 
it's not a flame, but it's like the blue part of a flame that kind of is a laser line in between two points and you can light things with it. Just another form of combustion. So Josh, if all five of these things are essential, I have a question for you. Which one is the most essential? Uh, yeah, that's a tough <laughs> question because they're all essential. <laughs> I guess which one would be the hardest to kind of makeshift out on the trail? I mean, because with cup, you could use your hand, you could use a, a bandana and kind of squeeze the water into your mouth. I don't know. But yeah, which one would be the hardest to makeshift on the trail? Yeah, that's the line of thought that I'm taking. So you're right. With cup, it would be super inconvenient, but you can use your hands. I don't know how you're going to purify that water in your hands. Uh, so you got some other issues to deal with. But uh, And depending on the trip, I might be able to do without combustion if it's a nice summertime trip. Actually, I guess if it's summertime, I don't need any of this, perhaps. <laughs> uh, you know, there are those perfect nights and perfect days where it's not too hot, not too cold, and you just you need nothing. But let's say we got into a survival situation and didn't have some of these things, which ones would hurt us the worst? I don't know. I'm I'm looking at cover, although I also recognize that cover can be makeshifted a lot. You can grab some sticks from the forest and some evergreen boughs, and you can start to layer those together, or you can find a hollowed out stump to get into. I, Think of how much effort that would take. Yeah, certainly. It's a and lot. If you already had cover with you, meaning adequate insulation and adequate rain protection, mm -hmm. you could survive a lot without really needing to do anything at all. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I'm kind of going between cover and combustion. But I guess combustion would only really be necessary if you were in cold or wet weather. And had inadequate cover. Exactly, yeah. And proper covering, like having the proper clothing and first aid essentials and bug protection and sun protection, I think that, okay. Okay, there's All right. our, you our official me. opinion. <laughs> <laughs> cover is the most important. And um, I noticed down in our notes about cordage, it said clothing can be cordage. So if you have enough cover, that can double as cordage too. And if you have cover, like a tarp or something, you could also use that to gather water. Oh, cup. Then definitely I'm going with cover. Okay. The experts have spoken. No. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, the amateurs have spoken. Yes. <laughs> and we're going with cover. And we don't know what we're talking about. Uh, so take all five, actually. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, in whatever form, and they may come in multiple forms, but definitely redundancy is key and take all five survival essentials. For today's Summit Gear Review, we'll be reviewing the Apocabox, which is a mashup between Apocalypse and Box, I believe. Yep, so it's one of those subscription delivery boxes, the, the type that come every month at your doorstep. This one is bi-monthly, though, and it is different from other boxes that I've seen. The mastermind behind Apocabox truly is a mastermind. He knows so much about survival. So every other month, the Apocabox arrives on your doorstep with an info sheet that tells you about each of the items in the box, 
Um, things come in reusable drawstring bags, so you can find other uses for the packaging. The items in the box really promote wilderness survival, and many of the items in the box really focus on teaching skills and outfitting you for outdoor survival. It's not a box that just comes with stuff that you stick in your backpack on your next trip. You know, some granola bars and... A bottle opener. Right. A cozy for a cup or something. Right. No, these are things that are projects, really. Uh, Like the knives that are unassembled. And you're actually going to carve the handle and attach it to the... What's that called? The sheath? No, there's the sheath, too. That's what the knife goes in. There's the blade, but what's the the metal that comes out of the blade that the handle attaches onto? The tang? Like the tang? Tong? The tang. The tang? Yes. <laughs> yes. So you start with an unassembled raw knife, and you learn how to finish that knife. So the Apaka box will expose you to new ideas, new types of carving methods or trapping methods, just all those ancient ways, those skills that have been lost over time are all being revived. It's like this great revival. It's really cool. And so many of the items in the box are meant to inspire you to get out, to do something, to be in nature, and really to challenge yourself. In fact, there's always a skills challenge in every box. You have homework, you have a project for this weekend, so clear your calendar. And there's a video that goes with the skills challenge so that you're not just trying to figure things out based on what you're reading on a double-sided sheet of paper. You're watching Creek Stewart work through this project and he's giving you tips and uh, kind of some mentoring along the way. So some of the items offered in the past in the Apaka box have been books or mini manuals or kits to make an outdoor survival item. Um, I've seen resin for repairing things. Uh, there's handcrafted items. There's multi-use items. There's the ancient ways type items. And just to get an idea of past boxes, YouTube is a really great resource. You can see people doing the unboxing and they'll open up and explain every little thing that's in the box. No box is ever duplicated. It's all highly curated to help you to have an incredible outdoor and educational experience. And while this is a subscription service, the great thing about it is that it's created by someone who doesn't want you to feel trapped by a subscription service. So you can order just one box as a gift to yourself or to someone else. Um, But there are also other options as well. So you can start a bi-monthly subscription and keep it going, but you can also cancel any time. There's no tricky, weird stuff or, you know, where it's hard to unsubscribe. So you won't get trapped by this subscription, although you might get a box with a trap in it. Ah, that's true. I have seen boxes where they have different types of animal traps really cool looking ones that you make yourself and then you can catch crawdads or you know small rodents or whatever whatever you want to trap it's just really it's a box that is inspiring that's what i love about it for investment it's $50 a box with $12 shipping in the US and shipping is available worldwide you just want to check the website for pricing i think and this is going to sound dumb but i think the greatest 
value in this box is the video. And it's not inside the box, but it's something that you watch. It's the training video that helps you put together or helps you learn a skill based on something in the box. So the video that I saw was of Creek Stewart teaching you how to put together a knife and how to shape the handle and how to create a sheath that fits the knife perfectly. Um, and if you recognize this tutorial video as one of the unique products, then you're not only getting the value of the items in the box, but you're getting the tutelage of a master outdoorsman and craftsman. And I love his name, Creek Stewart. The other guy that I have been talking to there, his name is Jake Wild. These guys were just meant for this. They have the perfect job. Like their name has declared what they're going to do <laughs> with their lives. I love it. And something that I think our first 40 milers might be interested in is that on the Apocabox website, um, there's a little section that says, are you a survival craftsman or craftswoman um, offering a unique survival themed product? We're always looking for the next best thing to include in future Apocaboxes. So if you're interested in getting your great idea out there, we have the email address in the show notes and you can contact Creek Stewart and let him know about your product. I know we have a lot of people out there who are tinkerers and have great ideas. So this would be kind of a fun way to get your your idea out there. For trial, we received our Apocabox just before Christmas. And Heather opened it up and kind of looked through it. And she was like, wow, this is really cool. And she uh, put a little number label on every item in the box and then closed it back up and stuck it under the Christmas tree. On Christmas morning, we had this little kind of bingo drawing with our kids. And when someone got bingo, they could draw a number and pick that item out of the Apocabox. box. And it was so fun Christmas morning to see the variety of items that came out of this box. I got a book for identifying North American trees. That was great. I know a couple of our kids got those pocket knife kits. There were a couple of those that we had. Different kits, yeah. Someone got the animal trap making kit. We got to try that on an upcoming trip just to see if yeah, we can. I don't know what be we successful. would do if we caught an animal. Just let it go. <laughs> I think we would. <laughs> just to test the skill, though, would be interesting. Right. It, um, one of the items was like a spice rub mix. Uh, promised to make everything that you put it on taste a lot better. So I can imagine <laughs> that being really great on some fresh caught trout or squirrel or something. <laughs> Maybe not squirrel, but um, yeah, so everything in the box was just unique and it really honored the traditional ways of survival and uh, inspired us to want to try some of these things on our next family backpacking trip. For today's backpack hack of the week, we have a hack from Creek Stewart from Apocabox. He shared a hack with us from his book called Survival Hacks, over 200 ways to use everyday items for wilderness survival. And I love this hack because it not only makes use of trash that you have at home, but it's ultra light and it makes your clothing more efficient. So this is like a win-win-win-win. I love it. So this hack is for ultralight clothespins. And I'm going to read this little section from the book. Creek says, All clothing becomes less efficient when the fibers are clogged with dirt, grime, and oils. 
They lose breathability and insulating properties, which are both important features to warm and cold weather survival. Washing clothing may become a necessity in order to maintain good field hygiene. Drying your wet clothes on a line in the sun or by the fire can be a little tricky if the wind picks up. I recently discovered the coolest little lightweight clothes pins while I was making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich of all things. Plastic bread bag clips are the perfect shape for clipping a garment onto a paracord drying line. The rigid hooks hold the garment tightly and securely even during wind gusts. And he says that he's now added these to his bug out bag. So it looks like I'll be adding some of these to my 10 essentials as well. And we'll leave you today with a little trail wisdom from our good friend on the trail, John Burroughs, who was an American essayist and naturalist. He said, Walking brings out the true character of a man. The devil never yet asked his victims to take a walk with him. You will not be long in finding your companion out. All disguises will fall away from him. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. If you've been on a backpacking trip, share your story at thefirst40miles.com slash story. We'll see you next time on The First 40 Miles. Was a U.S. essayist? U.S. essayist. Maybe an American essayist. Thank you. <laughs> plastic bread. Not plastic bread. Let's see. Be- Hold on. <laughs> <laughs>